Today's share in Mishnah Bura Yomi is Daf Ayin Dalid Omer Aleph in the second volume of Mishnah Bura. Mitzvahim, we're going to finish up Simon Kuf Ayin Aleph, and we're talking here about some of the halachos of not treating food in a meistic way, in an embarrassing or denigrating or disgusting way. So the Mechaber starts off with Sif Beis, the very top line, and he says Lo Yeshev Adam. A person shouldn't sit. He shouldn't sit on top of a container that has inside of it figs or dried figs. That's because, as we'll see in the Mishnah they'll get ruined by him sitting on them. But he is allowed to sit on pressed figs or on a container that is filled with various beans that are hard. The Mishnah explains this of Kutnyut It's only here talking about a basket or a container over here that is like a wicker basket. It has over here nitsarim, which are like thin pieces of material over here that will allow the figs inside to be crushed. As the Mishnah explains, because it will get crushed by you sitting on it. It's a softer material, and the food that's inside of it will get crushed. However, if it's a hard wooden crate or container which you're sitting on, it will not crush the food inside, then that'll be permissible. It's not a problem of sitting on top of food over here. It's a problem of crushing the food and making the food not edible. That's why the Mishnah Bur explains in Sivkat Yud Gimel that the Igle Dvela, the pressed figs, shame Koshim, they're much harder, they know Mismachim, and they won't get destroyed as the Lavush brings down. Therefore, you could sit on them directly. Sivkat Yud the same thing would apply with kidneyos, which are hard beans. Shav Shakupahim even though it's still in a wicker basket and you're actually going to be crushing the basket, but you won't be crushing the kidneyos. Ha kidneyos ba'atzmon Koshim, they're hard, so therefore you won't destroy them, you won't make them not edible, and there's no intrinsic problem with sitting on the food itself, it's only a problem of destroying the food. Now we go to Sif Gimel. The Mechaber writes, It's permitted to eat this material called Daisa. What is Daisa? So Ramor explains, Pirush, this is a peeled type of a kernel of wheat that is then cooked, something like a porridge. And you're allowed to scoop this up, the pas, with bread, the Mechaber says, instead of using a ladle or a spoon, you can scoop up this porridge using this piece of bread and suck, so to say, the porridge off the bread. However, you you have to eat the bread afterwards, as the Mishabur will explain, because nobody else will eat that bread afterwards, and you just suck the porridge off it, but there's nothing wrong intrinsically with the bread for you to eat, because you were the one that sucked it off. And those people that are very careful in how they perform mitzvos, they'll take with each bite of the porridge, that they put into the mouth, they'll have a little bit of the bread each time with the porridge, and this will explain in the Mishabur why they would do this. Now let's see the Mishnah Buru in Sivkat and Tezvav. Mishnah Buru in Sivkat and Tezvav writes, Mishum da'ose adam tzrach b'fas. Why are you allowed to use the bread to scoop up the porridge and then just eat the porridge and not eat the bread itself right away? Because, as we learned in yesterday's shir, that you're allowed to use bread for any purpose that you want. Hechel de lo as long as you're not making the bread disgusting. And for you, the bread isn't disgusting, therefore you're allowed to do this. As we've learned previously, v'chanal. V'ha'achol lo mimas lo adam hazeh be'atzmo And for you, the person eating this porridge the bread is not disgusting to you. It's like a person has a spoon he puts in his mouth. He's not afraid to dip the spoon into the food again and eat from it again. It's not disgusting for him. For another person to use that spoon or to eat from that food that you dip your spoon into, it would be disgusting. That's what the Mishnah Baruch explains. For somebody else, it would be disgusting to eat that bread, but not for you. And therefore, if you don't eat that bread, then you're not allowed to do this, because nobody else will eat that bread, and that would cause a loss of the bread. Deer number 14 brings down 
Previously, we had said in Sin and Kuf Ayin, in two days ago, Shir, that the reason why you're not allowed to do this is because Mishum Bizoyin Ochlin, because it's an embarrassment or a degradation of the food, and not because of the hefset of the Ochlin, the loss of the Ochlin. In any event, the footnote continues, If you're not exactly destroying the food yourself with your hand, you're just not eating the food, you choose not to eat the food, so then Dayan Weiss, Satsal, in the Minchas Yitzchak, brings down, If a person doesn't feel like eating something, it's not called Batashchis if that food then goes and gets spoiled, even though that food is now being spoiled and not being eaten. The culture came in diktuk and certainly it, the reason that you didn't eat it was because of a diktuk in, in halacha. For example, it's pasakum, and you don't eat pasakum, so you can't say, well, the 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 bagel that's pasakum will go to waste if you don't eat it. So therefore, you're over baltashlis if you don't eat it. No, that's not true. And this is also the opinion of Shlomo Zalman and the Shevet Alevi. And Rav Moshe Feinstein likewise writes, that the Torah doesn't demand that a person prevents something from being destroyed. The Isser is to destroy it with your own hands. That's the problem. And the Chazonish writes on the Rambam, and he adds, You shouldn't not water a tree and let it die unless there's a purpose to doing so. Because Tzadikim are very choviv about property and we learn this out from Yaakov Avinu, who went back from the Pachim Kitanim, and therefore a person shouldn't let things be destroyed if there's no purpose to them being destroyed. He's never allowed to destroy them by hand without a purpose, but he shouldn't even let things get destroyed, for example, by not watering it, if he's able to water it without any difficulty or reason not to. It then brings out an interesting discussion. If a person has the need or urge to vomit, is that called batashlis? So in Shin, Chav, Ches, and Shulchan Aruch, the Mechaber writes, you're not allowed to do this if there's no reason to do so. It is called Hefzit Ochlan. However, if a person has eaten too much and he's uncomfortable or in pain, or he's trying to still have room for doing a mitzvah, for example, that requires eating, for example, Shalashudas, so he brings that from the Egg Letal, She'ein Bazem Yishum Hefzit Ochlan. Whether this is a good thing to do or not, to be in such a situation, it's certainly not good to allow yourself if you see you're eating too much, so stop eating at lunch so you'll have room for Shalashudas. But by the time it's now Shalashudas, if you can't eat unless you were to throw up. So the Egli Tal says, technically, that's not Hefzit Ochlin. Then the Mishabur says in Sivkot Yudzayin, Vamadaktik, and those that are carefully and zealous in doing the mitzvos, Shechoshashim, Lishtamish, Mais, Eitzbochim, they don't want to use the bread over here as a spoon, so to say, and just use it to scoop up the porridge, and then afterwards they'll eat the bread. So the Bizuyu, this is a Bizuyun for the bread. Bread is such an important food, and to use it as a spoon, even though you're going to eat it ultimately later on, it's still a Bizuyun. Therefore, Lochain Ochlim, Chopam, Atmenapasa, each bite of porridge, they take a small little bite of the bread as well. The nearer the Ilu and therefore the porridge looks like it's coming to accompany the bread, and therefore it's not treating the bread in a bizarre dick way. The issue foot number 15 brings down Kishirochet's very interesting idea. The person rochet's koshal brachachashtiyoso. You're rinsing out a cup that you, let's say, made kiddish on or use it for some other koshal bracha. So then they would rinse this cup out afterwards. He brings that from the base Yosef in Kuf Peites in the name of the Kolbo that he should rinse this water out and put it on his eyes. He should rinse the cup out and the little bit of water over there should put on his eyes. He shouldn't just disparagingly throw the water out onto the ground and treat it in a disparaging way. Such a tremendous amount of chashivas that they attach to a kosher bracha and to the, even the last little drops of there in the cup. That's the idea over here of treating something with tremendous dignity and respect.
I heard once from one of the Rebbeim that this whole idea, these are inanimate objects over here, it's not really a disparaging the bread, but it's the idea over here that if we treat inanimate objects that are choshev like the bread that you made a bracha on in a certain sort of way, you'll certainly treat human beings in that way. But here, even independent of that, this had a, a, a bracha or a mitzvah done with it, so we don't want to treat it in a disparaging way. It somehow shows a lack of respect for the mitzvah. Now the Ramah goes and he says, He brings that from the Beis Yosef, that the bread that is left over, you have to use this bread, so to say, as a spoon to eat the porridge, even if you're not from the Medoctikim and you didn't eat a little bit along the way, so at the conclusion you have to go and eat this bread. And the Mishnah Bur explains in Sivkat Nyutches, because otherwise, the Lacherunimos, nobody else is going to eat that, the Chanal, as we've already explained, and therefore this bread will go to waste if you don't eat it, and since you intentionally made it not edible for anybody else, you should go and eat this bread specifically after you have eaten the porridge. Sif Dalit. The Mechaber writes, Mamshich in Yayim Bitsinorus Lefei Chosim Akala. They used to have a custom that they would pour wine in front of the Chosim Akala, but they would do it through these Tsinorus, through these pipes that wouldn't allow the wine to go to waste. As the Mishnah explains in Sif Kot Nyutes, Sha'osim Yishum Simintov. They would pour out this wine as a Simintov that the new Chosim Akala over here should start off their life with wine being flowing in front of them. Shimashi Shalvosim Betovosim to signify that their peace and their goodness and all the wonderful things we want for them should flow like the wine. Umayri Bitsino, and we're talking here about a pipe, shalates, of wood, shenonimas, that won't destroy or make the wine inside of it disgusting. The Chavetz Chaim in Sharetzion, Os Yudches, writes, Verotzalomar, Shalom Gabikarka. In other words, don't pour it on the ground, but nobody will drink this wine afterwards. Machaber continues and he says, And then when the water flows through these pipes, you collect it in the cup afterwards, and people will go and drink it. Sivkat and Chof in the Mishnah Brewer, he writes, Because if you don't collect it, So then the whole thing is not permitted over here because you're wasting the wine. Dishu foot number 16 brings down, How do we explain by Havdalah? Many people have the minog that they pour a little bit extra wine when they fill up the Havdalah coast before they say the bracha. And we do this because it says that any house that doesn't have wine overflowing by Havdalah time, it won't have a simon bracha. So how are we allowed to do this? Furthermore, many people have the custom that they pour a little wine on the Havdalah candle after it's gone out, and then they wipe their eyes with the wine was poured on the Havdalah candle. So how are you allowed to do this? Isn't this also wasting wine? So this is permitted because you're demonstrating the chiv of ha-mitzvah over here, the love for the mitzvah. And the Mishnah Bura does point out that you shouldn't really overflow too much. You should only overflow it a little bit over here, and you should do this before you make the brach. You should do it when you're filling up the cup, and not, as some people do, while they're actually making the initial hinei kel yeshua seyev tach. They spill it before they make the bar priyagof, and he says that's incorrect. Then the Mechaber says, The custom was to throw in front of the chassan and kala various types of parched grains and walnuts in front of the chassan and kala, and they would only do this when it was dry in the summer months and they wouldn't get ruined, the chayos and the gozim wouldn't get ruined. But not during the winter months when they would get ruined. And certainly, never, summer or winter, would you be allowed to throw these gluskos, these pastries or cakes, with the chas and the kala. Mr. Bruin Sivkat and Chafalov explains, even though walnuts have a hard shell around them, and if you throw it, it won't get ruined. So he says, during the winter months, when it's rainy, there's all sorts of mud on the ground, and if you throw the walnuts there, they'll get disgusting. Nobody's going to want to go pick them up, even though you could theoretically wash them off. People aren't going to waste their time picking them off this muddy walnut. cause a loss of the food over here. The Chavetz Chaim in Sivkot Nyutes brings down further, 
Ayin Meseches Semachos, the Mashma that goes in Brikli Pasim Shari Abi Mosegishon. He disagrees with this point. He brings out from Meseches Semachos that you are allowed to, in fact, throw these walnuts because you can pick them up and wash them off and they'll be no worse off than before. And he says as well, this is Muchach from the Gears of the Gra, and according to him, Mairi Habraisa Begosim Klufen. So how you explain over here when it says you're not allowed to use these walnuts and throw them at the Chassan Kali, he says they're talking about peeled walnuts which will get ruined in the mud. Then the Mishnah Burr continues and he brings down, Yesh Mekomosh and Higu Kayom Lizrok Tzimukin Lefnei Chassan. There are those that on the offer of Shabbos, the Shabbos before the chassan gets married, they would throw raisins at him. At the time that he would get mafter. We have a custom, many people throw candies or other things at the chassan, either before or after the mafter that he gets. And the Mishnah says, And it's not right if they're throwing a food like raisins that will get ruined. Because they're very soft, and they get ruined by the throwing. Canal, as we've explained, you're not allowed to throw food that will get ruined. That is usher. Sivkon Chabez, you can never throw cakes. As we've already learned, Kinizka Leal Siv Aleph in yesterday's year. It's very funny how at Goyesha weddings, there's a very frequent custom that they mashed a wedding cake into the chassan and, and to the kala's face. So this is clearly against what the halacha over here is in the Mechaber. Siv Hey, Hazorkim Chitim Lifnei Chassan, and many people have the custom that they throw grains of wheat in front of the Chassan. So if you do have that custom, You have to be careful that when you throw them, you're throwing into a place where the floor is clean. So you'll be able to sweep up all the grains of wheat afterwards, and they won't get to go to waste. And he continues, You have to sweep them up afterwards, So people won't step on them and ruin them. The Mishnah Bur in Sivkan Chavkimel explains the reason why it has to be in a clean place, because otherwise the grain will go to waste, and that wouldn't be allowed. Now, if you look at Dishu footer number 17, he points out that we've already learned previously in Simon Kuf Pei that that's not a problem to have crumbs, actual pieces of bread, mutali abe pirurim, shame by Mgzayas. If they're very small pieces, you can't actually throw the crumbs of bread away. So, how can these grains be any worse than the crumbs of bread? So he implies that, yes, by grains, the, the kernels of wheat over here were actually more machmed than the fully formed bread. Because that's the way the grain is. Those are small little grains. They're fully formed. Therefore, they're considered in their full format as opposed to crumbs, which are not in the best format. Alternately, if you combined all the grains together over here, you would have a kezayis. He says, He brings down from the Shailus of Hakasi this reasoning that your machmer over here, because if you combine them all together, there would be something substantive. Finally, the last, Mishnah Bura, Sivkan Chavtalit, the Elav Hachi, if you don't sweep up the area, ain't toelis, mashazork, mokumnokis, and there's no point in throwing them specifically in a clean place, you might as well throw them in a dirty place if you'd be allowed to waste them. Since you're not allowed to waste them, you have to throw them in a clean place, and then in the clean place, you have to sweep them up afterwards. And the issue foot number 18 brings down, this is very important for people in bakeries or for houses where there is food that's spilled over here. So the Ben Chai says, you have to be careful to sweep up the area from the breadcrumbs and other things like that. So you shouldn't get stepped on and treated in a disparaging way or made disgusting by pouring water on them or things like that. One has to treat food with the proper respect. This includes Simon Kuf Ayin Aleph. We have a little bit of time, so let's start Simon Kuf.
kuf ayin base. Misha ichnis acholun umashkin lefib below bracha. If somebody unfortunately forgot to make a bracha and he has food or drink in his mouth, what he should do? What should he do? So the Mechaber starts off and he says, Shochach v'hichnis mashkin l'soch pib below bracha. If a person put liquids in his mouth, he forgot to make a bracha, it could happen unfortunately, and now he has the liquid in his mouth. What should he do? You obviously can't talk while you have liquid in your mouth. So the alternative is different than why a solid, as we'll learn in tomorrow's year, put it to the side of your mouth and make the bracha, which is not ideal, but is acceptable. But here you can't do this. You have two choices. Either spit it out or swallow it without making a bracha. So the Mechaber says, a bolon, you swallow it, the eno mevarech and bracha rishona, and it's too late to make a bracha rishona anymore in this situation. As we'll see, and we'll explain in the Mishtabura, this assumes that there is no additional liquid that you're going to be drinking or that is available. So the Mechaber basically is telling us you're allowed to swallow it in this situation without making a bracha. You should have made the bracha, of course, but now that it's in your mouth, you don't have a choice. To spit it out would be an ibut ochlin or shasiya. You'd be wasting the water or the beverage over here, so therefore you swallow it without a bracha. The Mishnabur at Sivkar and Aleph explains, Shiev Shalapaltum, because you can't spit it out. The Mimasi Mifsadeh, because let's say it's spit into a cup. Nobody wants to drink. Even your own um, drink that you drank in your mouth, you're not going to pour that into a cup and then drink it again. And certainly nobody else is going to drink it. And to push the liquid to the side of your mouth and try to make a bracha with half your mouth filled with liquid, as we'll see in tomorrow's year, we said by Ochlin, we do that. It's physically difficult or impossible for a person to speak while he has liquid in his mouth. Because a person normally can't speak. Maybe a ventriloquist can, but most people cannot speak while they have food, liquids in their mouth. Therefore, the only alternative is you're allowed to swallow it over here so the liquid doesn't go to waste. He brings down for the Lushi If you can only put a little bit in your mouth, and you can go make the bracha somehow with only a little bit of your mouth filled with a liquid, then a person should in fact do so. How come you're allowed to go and swallow this without making a bracha? Why don't we say this? Spit it out, even though it's at the expense of wasting the food, but you're not allowed to get any hanor from food in this world without making a bracha on it. So in Dishu for the number one, he brings down from several roots, and the first one is from Shlomo Zalman. And he brings down, below bracha, because it's not intrinsically an iser, it's just that there's a chiv to make a bracha that the rabbis instituted when you have food that you're going to eat. But here, since it's physically impossible to go and make a bracha on this food, the rabbis never instituted over here that you have to throw it out, because that's an iser, so therefore the rabbis in this situation said you're part of for making a bracha. That's teretz number one. Teretz number two is brought down for the Reino Hananel, is brought in the Rush, and he explains that the reasoning is as follows, that you're normally not allowed to go and swallow something without making a bracha, but here, that's no longer called the valid liquid. This isn't called the potable beverage anymore because it's disgusting, it's in your mouth, and therefore it doesn't have the status of being a mashk anymore when you realize you forgot to make a bracha, and therefore you're not mechuyiv to make a bracha on something like this. The Chavetz Chaim in Oz Gimel in the Sharet Zion brings down after course of the Perush Rabbeinu Chano Shehetek B'Mogin Avram, the Mogin Avram had a different understanding over here. He says that you don't make a bracha on this no matter what, even if it's a little bit of liquid in your mouth and you could try to make one Mishas Adchak. And the Poskim don't bring this down because the Or Zeruah, the Riaz, and the Ra'ah all explain this like Rashi does, that it is a Dover Mius at this point in your mouth and it would be destroyed by trying to do this. That is really the way the Rabbeinu Chanano learns it as well, according to most Rishonim. Mr. Bruin Sivkat and Bayes points out, however, Yeshomrim, the calls the Dapka Kishenlo Yosem Mashkin Lishtos, who dochel the Mashkin Malolo. We're talking here about where there is no more water or other beverage for him to drink over here, and 
he needs these mashkim over here. He's thirsty for whatever the reason. He can't spit them out. If there is additional fluid that he could drink, and it's not a problem over here that there's other liquid, Yiflo, he should spit it out. He shouldn't go and enjoy this without a bracha. And this is, in fact, the proper way for a person to conduct himself. Brought down the name of the Morgan Avram and the Yerabah. Tishavut number two brings down that from Rapincha Scheinberg, he explains the difference between Ochlin and Mashkin. By Ochlin, we say just put it to the side of your mouth. We don't say to spit it out. By Mashkin here, we say to go spit it out. Because the problem with the Mashkin over here would be that you would be getting Hanar from this world without making a bracha. So you have to spit it out. But by food, you can push it to the side of the mouth, and you're only over the hinder of making a bracha with your mouth empty. So therefore, in that situation, we say don't spit it out. That concludes today's share. We'll pick up the remote tomorrow.